unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Hey, Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man, and I'm excited about today's episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's get into it because we got so much to cover with him. Our guest today, Mike Janalis, is a serial entrepreneur who understands and has depended upon the value of copy to really grow the business. When I met Mike and we started working together, his main focus was copywriting, but he has built several seven and eight figure businesses from scratch. And the business he runs now, he told me, is currently on track to generate eight figures of revenue per year. It's called Synetris. And um, with its products and its programs, they're mostly focused on health and wellness. Uh, he has about 30 people on staff. Mike also has a personal story you may have heard about. At one time, he weighed 540 pounds, um, but he has lost and kept off more than 300 pounds. And now he is a Svelte 210 pounds. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to, we're not going to talk, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about a different transformation in his life, the journey from copywriter to CEO. And that's uh, more than you think. They're not just two words that begin with the letter C. There's a lot, a lot we're going to get into. But first, here is your own personal opportunity for transformation. Copy is powerful you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're, and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So let's get into it. Mike, welcome and thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so pumped. Um, since the day you started this uh, podcast, my dream was that someday I would get to be on it. So to the dream come, come true for, for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think to invite you on earlier, but we, we connected recently. I thought, oh man, this guy's got so much to say that with this guy being you. So Mike, when we were working together and you made the transition from copywriter to CEO, I continued to work with you mostly on copy topics. But as I recall, you hired a different coach at the same time for your new role as CEO. I, I think you talked about your, your CEO coach, which, of course, is a smart thing to do because I have lots of theories about leadership and management and all that, but my, my real sweet spot is definitely copy. So could you tell us about the new skills you needed to develop as you transitioned from copywriter to CEO? Yeah, sure. You know, it's it's an interesting thing is I, I meet a lot of copywriters and when they find out that I went from that copy side to the CEO side, they're always like, wow, how'd you do it? You know what? Can I do that? So there's definitely a lot of interest there. And for for me, it, it was a gradual thing. Like I started writing copy way back in 2006. Um, and I didn't even back then know what a copywriter was. I had a person who read a blog post that I wrote 
And they were like, hey, you'd be a great copywriter. And I was like, thank you so, so much. What is that? You had no idea what that even was. And, and so that's kind of how it all started for, for me. So I truly started from scratch, didn't even know about the industry. I didn't know it was a thing. I just thought it was junk mail, right? You know, I had no idea that there was this whole industry going on. And so that's kind of how I got my start. But then what I, what, what I found over time and what kind of led me naturally towards the CEO path, and you've probably dealt with this too, a lot of uh, copywriters have, was that I would write copy and then I would get told, hey, it didn't con convert. And I'm like, but I know it should convert. You know, I get it. Sometimes you have to like fix stuff, but it would just not work. And I said, well, let's see what's, you know, what's the deal? And I would jump in and I'd be like, oh, well, you're running this offer for men and you're targeting women in the, in the world. You know, like some, some dumb thing, but their ads weren't, you know, done right. So then I'd have to like jump in and try to fix that. And I would have to learn Google ads. And then when Facebook came out, I have to help with that because you just get, get pulled in. And then I would start finding, you know, hey, so your leads suck. I'm like, my leads suck, but I'm qualifying. What's going on? And I said, well, let me see what's going on with your salespeople. And they'd be like, well, we don't really have anything over there. We don't have a script. I'm like, when do you call them? Well, we just email them. <laughs> so I start finding, all right, well, let me see that. So now I have to fix their sales scripts. And then I would deal with the next problem. Like, we're getting too many, you're processing too many refunds. Okay, well, why? And I would end up going, well, what's your support like? What's going on over there? And as time went on, it was like copy is that sort of pinpoint where the blame comes back, right? Mm -hmm. It's always marketing. It's always blame marketing, right? So I ended up having to jump in and like fix all these different issues. And then that led me to getting into operations, getting into finance, getting in. Because then it would also come down to like, how much can we pay for this offer? Their pricing is not right. And I would, end up, you know, I would jump on with the, with the CFO and they'd explain why we can't do the, the uh, deal that I, that I would like to do. So I just, you know, and that was, that began in 06 and, and probably, you know, 2013, 2014, I really started to segue more and more where I was like, you know, I build entire companies just doing my job as the copy guy. Like, why don't I just do it for, for myself for once instead of trying to sell for everyone else? Because at the end of the day, sometimes you'd even get told, here's, you know, give us, you know, tell us what we should sell. So I would almost come in and give them an entire business plan. You know, here's your copy. Here's what you're going to sell. Here's how you're going to sell it. Here's your sales script. Here's your customer support scripts. I mean, that's like almost an entire company. So it, it was a gradual thing with me. And then when I hired you, actually, in, in the, the year that, that we had, I was an owner in a company, but I wasn't the CEO yet. And I had just started that pathway. And, and what I found was I, I brought on you because I knew that I needed to free myself up from the day-to-day -day copy. Because when you're doing it every single day, it, it, it's a, and I knew I wasn't giving it my best. I would just be like, oh, I got to write something and just type away and send it, you know? And, and so I actually brought on you because I wanted one for you to help me become a better copywriter just for myself. Cause I kind of view copy now as like my hobby, which is kind of weird, but I just, <laughs> it's like, I, it's so fun for, for me. I don't want to stop it, you know? And yeah. two, I wanted you to help me make the, unconscious stuff conscious right i was doing all these things but i wasn't aware of them right i i was what's the you know that there's that four phases like consciously unconscious or where you know those things sure. i was somewhere between phase three and four i was i was trying to move on to becoming aware of why i did what i did 
And you are a huge, huge help for that, just getting this to see that. And then, and then kind of thirdly, the big one was, I wanted you to help me become a better copywriting coach myself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat because you had said, I think I was the first person you'd ever done that with. From what That's I true. Yeah. So, so that was really cool because I knew I had to, because so, so that maybe was part, part one was I was at the point now where I had written copy for going on 10 years at, at, at that point. And I wanted to segue and I saw the opening there because um, what a CEO really does, like the really cool part is, you know, and it's funny because you never really get taught this because we use the term CEO and we just think, oh, it's synonymous with the business owner. And to an extent, there is some truth there. But, but the reality is the, the CEO job is, is one where really your, your main job, you really have two or three main main job, but I think the, the main, main job is making sure that everything gets done. Mm-hmm. Right? And, but you want to do that in a way that you're not the one doing it. Because if you do, you end up creating bottlenecks. And yeah. then bottlenecks lead to constraints, and then constraints lead to lack of growth. So you've got to constantly be focused on who can do this. You know? And when you're in it, when you're in the business owner, your job is just how. How can we do it? How can we do it? How can we do it? You're trying to figure out how, but when you move to that CEO and you start thinking more corporately, you start thinking who. And then secondly, beyond that, your other main job is really culture, developing the culture of the organization. Absolutely. But so that's, that's boy, that, that's such a great, clear definition. I've never heard it put that way. You're right. We've never been taught that um, until now. Now we have. Um, but Let's talk about mindset. I mean, a copywriter has one mindset, a CEO who has been a copywriter. I'm, I'm curious what mindset changes were and maybe even how being a copywriter informed your mindset as a CEO. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, and I always feel like being a copywriter or at least maybe a media buyer, those two type jobs really, I think in this day and age, gear you up to be an excellent CEO, an excellent business owner, because it, it, it sets you up for thinking about the customer first and how are we going to appeal to the customer? Mm-hmm. Um, if you come from the finance side, you're just thinking about cost. What's it going to cost? Can, can we afford it? Can we afford it? You know? So um, what I found from a mindset perspective, when you're writing copy, you really, the, the coolest part is you really get in the mindset of the avatar, of the customer, right? You really train, we're trained to think, not, to, not what do we care? Who cares what we think, right? What does the customer think? What do they want? What are their needs? What are their desires? What are the things that, or what are the triggers that is going to make them take action? Yeah. I, think, I think the greatest skill that, that translates from copywriter to CEO is the psychology of humans. Right. Like yeah. that is like number one. Because I meet people all the time that tell me how things should be. It should be. It should be. And, and I mean, when you're a copywriter, that gets beat out of your head. You're, you give up on what should be and right. you just accept the world as it is. And when you bring that skill to the CEO job, you start to realize, man, I have to meet people where they're at and I have to give them the job as they can perform it. And I can't bring my expectations. You, 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 you do, but you can't expect your expectations to come true. You know, so I, I, I assume, and this may be bad. This may be something that I need to fix in my mindset. But I pretty much go in and I assume there's going to be a lot of things that are going to break. 
There's going to be a lot of things that go terribly wrong, and they're not going to meet my expectations, and that's okay. Like when you let go of things, you, you start to figure out that the best you can hope for is like an 80-20, that they're going to give 80, they're going to be able to perform about 80% of what you could at your peak. But what I found was if I was doing five or six things, well, then I was never hitting 80% even because I was doing five or six things. Maybe I was hitting 70% or 50%. Um, so, and then over time, it may take a year or two to start filling in that 20%. And those are the independent one-offs, you know, that you don't see every day. It's like, hey, what happened with this? What, what, what do I do if this happens? What's the plan if this happens? And those, those will appear. But I, I do think it's that psychology side, that, that understanding humans and the way they think, because it applies to everything. Like one of my greatest, I'm going to call it breakthroughs, and probably from the copywriting standpoint, this is where this came from. But I started seeing everything in the world as a marketing funnel, no matter hmm. what it is. You know, like a very small example, I just took to Twitter and I, I pretty much stayed off. I've been on it for since 2012, but I, I, you know, you can go back and see, I tweet like, oh man, that's a rabbit hole. You can never get out of once you go down. But the, but the crazy thing was what I, when I, when I really studied it, I was like, how do you really grow on Twitter? Right. How do you really do it? And I was like, you know, just trying to really study it. And when I started, what the breakthrough for me, and this is a whole theory of school of thought called mental models, right? Which is what are the mental models you can apply maybe that you've learned somewhere else but you can bring it to this field and i started to realize that twitter is nothing more than a marketing funnel that's it because what you have to do you have to get your your post your content your ad in a place where eyeballs see it right that's your impressions and then a portion of those impressions will click on your ad which is your profile your profile is your landing page and the opt-in is to click follow and Twitter actually shows you all these stats. So you start thinking, okay, so when someone writes a comment, that's where people are, I mean, when someone sends out a tweet, that's where the eyeballs are gonna be. So you have to actually do your market research, find the accounts that are most like you, that are gonna have the audience that you're going after. And then once they comment or tweet something, you have to slide in there, add your thoughts. It has to be so compelling as an ad, which really is just content, that, it, that it, it induces the click. They click to your profile, your profile is your sales page, and then why they should join you, click follow. It really is a whole, it's a whole funnel. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just wanna hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this, on Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in LA's famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Let's get back to CEO for a sec. I mean, I, I love that idea. We, so we talked about the mindset, but from an activity point of view, what you do every day, it seems to me that a CEO is managing people and processes. And maybe, I'm, I haven't been a CEO, so I don't know. I, please 
push back if I'm wrong, as opposed to uh, copywriter managing words and images. Did, is that right? And could you talk about the activity differences? Yes, for sure. You're, you're, you're spot on there. You really are managing people and processes when, you, when you're CEO. And when you're a copywriter, you're managing words and images, but you're also managing people as, as well because you're getting your requirements and your requests and you're not getting what you're supposed to get. And you thought you were going to get uh, you know, this brochure, but they never get sent to you and you want to review the product and they can't find it right now. You know, you're always dealing with that. So, right. so there's always that people side, but I, I do think Going back to your first question about the shift, it, it, it is a big shift because when you're, what I like about copy, which is a lot easier in the sense from the CEO job, is when you're writing copy, it's like, it's up to you. You know what I mean? They send you the stuff, you either do it or you don't. Either converts or it doesn't. And it's all on you. When, when you're CEO, it's all blamed on you. But it's not always in your control, right? You, right? you know, you have to, you're relying on so many other people. It's similar in the copy standpoint that you may have to rely on a graphics person to get you images that you need. You, you may need to rely on interviews and people showing up for those interviews from the, from the, the you know, customer service. And, and, I, and I, I think maybe that's why I, I was so geared for the customer service and David, I think when we talked the other day, actually, we talked about this, I think, was how many copywriters don't go above and beyond doing interviews, especially. Yeah, we did. We talked about that for sure. And that was something that I, like when I, when I first, be, you know, for, first started on this uh, uh, podcast, I had said, that's what opened my eyes was I, instead of just saying, oh, it didn't work. Okay, I'll rewrite copy. Maybe it's because I was overly confident in myself. I have a big ego, but but I was like, I was like, well, let's fix it by looking at the whole picture. And so, if there's anything that I would tell if you write copy, is don't always just because I think you get you when you're writing copy, you're seeing like this much. You know, you're just like peering down this little hole. You have no idea what's going on in the company. You don't know if that email was sent at the wrong time. You don't know if your email got blocked by spam. You know what I mean? There's so many other factors. And when you write copy, you assume that you're the end all be all. You know, like it's all me. But really, you're just one, like I say, you're probably one out of 150 variables that are going on at any point in time. And and so you, you know, I would encourage you if you can, again, if you're if you're writing for a big time company, they either haven't fit they either they've either got it figured out or they're not gonna show you but the the more you can you know ask can i talk to to customer service can i get their feedback yeah you know i um i'd I'd like to interject that i agree with you when you're writing copy you're just one of maybe 150 variables now you can come to think that you're the make or break variable you're you're the variable that if it's the weakest link in the chain or if it breaks it's all over and that could be true but just because you're very, very important and crucial and outsized in terms of the percentage of influence doesn't mean you're operating in a vacuum. You're not. There's other things. Your copy can be perfect for the market. The timing can be perfect. And something else can screw up and everything can go upside down. Um, and um, it's, it's hard as a copywriter to, to see that when you're in the thick of it. But I've had it happen. I'm sure you've had it happen, Nathan. I'm sure you've had it happen, Mike. So, yeah, r- really good point. Let um, we're we're running close to to the um, 
last few minutes, let me let me just ask you this. What was your biggest challenge as a new CEO, especially coming? Because I'm sure there are copywriters right now listening to this podcast are thinking, yeah, I might like to be a CEO. And so maybe you can shortcut a, a major night of a million horrors by talking about your biggest challenge and how you dealt with it. Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of challenges, obviously, but I, I think for, for me, probably the, the, the biggest challenge was learning to let go of having to do everything myself. Um, that was a really, really big thing for me. And I wanted to, and I continued to like almost lord over everything. And I, you know, I, I remember early on in my company, one of my, he's a good friend of mine too, but one of my employees started calling me the taskmaster. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because I would, and probably just because of my copy background, I, I didn't have a lot of trust and things getting done in a timely way. I just, was always, always waiting around for someone to do their job. And so I kind of took that attitude where I was like, I'm going to create a project and I'm going to turn every project into a task. And I'm going to put every task is going to have eight subtasks. You know, I wouldn't even just settle for like make a landing page. I would put in like, make sure the button color is this color. You know, I would like really start breaking it down. And when you do that, the biggest problem is you're stifling the creativity of others and you're stifling their ability to grow. You know, the, the way that people learn is to be thrown something and told, figure it out. Well, let, let me, let me uh, add to that. I agree with you. And I think you're also uh, hurting the business. You're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're capping their potential on the contribution they can make to the business, both creatively, culturally, as well as financially, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and I definitely was at that point early and, and it took me probably six months of before I finally was able to let go. And then you deal also with, you know, I'm, and this is true for most things, but, you know, you also have that in, in, in imposter syndrome. You know, I'm not mm. really a CEO. I mean, you know, I'm the real CEO is GE. That's a real CEO. I'm just uh, some guy at his house. You know what I mean? Like you deal with that same, those same kind of thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and, and then you, you also, when here's the other part that's very, very odd, like the sign that you're doing a great job as a CEO is that you wake up and you have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. That I mean, makes sense. Right. right. You know, but like, the obviously you always have things to do, but I, by that I mean there's not fires, there's not these mm-hmm. huge problems going on, and things are running smoothly, and and that is a very unnatural feeling. If you come from the business side of things, I tell people all the time, like business. If you're if you don't love problems, don't start your own company because you know business is dealing with problems. That's that's what they're paying you for, right? Solve yeah. problems. So. You know, it gets to be kind of weird. And then I almost, maybe because the way I am, I almost feel guilt. Should I be working more? I should be doing something right now. What can I be doing? You know, and you want to. So that's that's part of me. So, you know, those were early feelings. I still struggle with them some, but I think I'm a lot better now. It's been, you know, good two, three years now. So I, you know, but but yeah, those were the big ones. I think is don't don't lord over everything and learn to trust your people, hire the right people, fire the wrong people, and let them do, do their job. As a, someone said, I think it was Steve Jobs who said something to the effect of, I don't hire people and tell them what to do. 
I hire people smarter than me and let them tell me what to do, you know, that kind of a thing. So yeah, you want to look for that too. It takes a little bit of ego flexibility to do what you just talked about, but um, I think it pays off in peace of mind and piece of the action. All right. Um, so um, I, I think we're close to out of time. I, I'd like you to come back if you wouldn't and talk about something else. Could you do that next week? Yeah, sure. Anytime. All, All right. right. So um, do you have a, a product or a way people can follow your thinking or a way people can get into or something? Yeah. So I don't sell anything right now. Um, I will in the future. Maybe I'll have something by next week. I don't know. I'll go over something. <laughs> No, um, yeah, just uh, go to my blog. It's a great spot to find all my social and, and find my most updated stuff. I do write a lot about copywriting on there still, too. And that's just onlyonemike.com. It's O-N-E, onlyonemike.com. Only one. Okay, O-N-L-Y-O-N-E-M-I-K-E.com. I mean, I started that in two, 2006, which is why it's such a terrible site name. But, well... Uh, for me, it's good. I can think of at least three clients, other clients besides you. I've had mentoring clients named Mike. So only one Mike. I'll always think of you. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Okay, thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you both, gentlemen. And if you want to catch more of the Copywriters Podcast, you can check that out at copywriterspodcast.com. And Mike, you said you'll join us next time? I will, yes. Awesome. All right. We will see you then. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Catch you later. Bye. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.